0: Amen. I'm glad to be here. I am glad to be sharing a little bit. I've learned just a little bit. I've got a whole lot to learn about marriage. How about, how about the rest of the men in this house? Y'all got some stuff to learn about being married? Woo! <laughs> All the women were clapping. Yes. Yeah, Lord, yes. I've got a lot to learn, but what an incredible journey. Over the past couple of weeks, what we've talked about is um, uh, really... Family matters, and the very first thing was the priority foundation of our relationship. And what is the number one priority for each and every one of us that is married? Who is the number one relationship we have? A relationship with God, right? It's the relationship we have with Jesus. Because if we're right with Him, then our relationship with our spouse is going to be good. The second thing that we learned is that we are to pursue or we are to court our spouse, right? Did you learn about, it? Uh, ladies, did you get courted this week? This past week, did, they, did you just get surprised and taken out to dinner or something? So we brought flowers, nobody's doing nothing, man. Yeah. You guys were sleeping, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> but um, we learned about the value of pursuing And I'm not going to use names to protect the innocent. But a member of my family who had been married about 47 years. One Christmas was riding down the road and, and ran across a pile of things on the side of the road. I guess there might have been a sign there that said free. Pick it up if you want it. Well, he got a gift bag and put an item in it. It was a pajama top. And it was... Two sizes too small. Comes home and and brings it to his wife and says, here's your gift. I got you something. Never got a gift for Christmas. Never anything for Christmas. Opens it up and says, that's wonderful. I can't believe you were being so thoughtful and you got me something, but it's two sizes too small. And it looks a lot like the pajamas I saw on that pile of trash just down the road. <laughs> if you're going to court, don't be cheap and dumpster dive to do it, okay? <laughs> um, we got we to pursue our spouse. We're always winning. We never stop doing that for the one that we love. And I know that that's easy to do when the things of life take place, and we get into the throes of living, but never stop pursuing. And today we want to look at the third foundation in in family matters, and that is the partnership foundation. Our marriage is about who? We, not me. Is that up there? Yes, it's up there. Okay. Our marriage relationship is about we, not me. It's about what God has brought together when we stood at the altar and said, I do. In Genesis chapter 2, if you want to look on the screen with me, beginning in verse 24, it says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, the word, the Greek word for you The Hebrew for united there uh, often means interwoven. And the Hebrew for one means completely joined as one. Together, these two words describe a healthy partnership. Two people that are so connected, they're like one flesh. Now how many of you remember the movie Jerry Maguire? Anybody ever see Jerry Maguire? Yeah, everybody my age is raising their hand. Everybody else is going, who's that? What's Jerry Maguire? You know Tom Cruise? He was in that. There were three famous lines in Jerry Maguire. One was, man, I didn't even get to say it. That's awesome. The other was, you had me at hello. And the last one, somebody just said it right down here. You complete me. And all of the ladies in the house said, (laughs) Ah. You complete me. Well, you know, I do believe that that is God's intention when it's put in the right perspective, when it's put the right way. But what oftentimes happens with couples when they Come into a marriage relationship and you get through the the euphoria of first meeting and dating, and man, they just smell so good and they always look so good in their hair. How do you wake up with your hair like that? And then you get married, and you're like, where did that person go? <laughs> what happened? To that person that was there a while back, you know? Um, But what we end up doing oftentimes in marriage relationships is we go from, before we even can get to actually the completing stage of our relationship. Marriages tend to fall apart because we're competing. Well, I did this for you. What are you doing for me? You did that for, I I did that for you over here. And I, I I do the dishes and I do the laundry and I do the cooking and I do the cleaning and I wash the children. Good Lord, I wash the children. And you come home and sit down because you're tired. And we start comparing and competing. Am I, is it resonating here today? And we begin doing that and we find ourselves at odds. Well, I want us to look at four principles today that are required for us to get to the finish line, they're required for us to make it to the end. When we think about this whole idea, Of of God putting us together and it not being me anymore, but it being we. That's the very first principle. The marital partnership is about we, not me. In Ecclesiastes 4, beginning in verse 9. If you want to look at that with me. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one To help him up. I believe there's more there. Also if two lie down together. They will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered. Two can defend themselves. And then the last sentence there. Verse 12 says what? A three cord strand. a three-cord strand is not easily broken never more true a verse has ever been read about the marriage relationship every significant decision must be we every celebration must be shared every crisis must be worked through together and every conflict must be addressed with the goal of coming to a place of agreement, right? And those are all very true. But you know what? That's true of any partnership. We're talking about a marriage relationship. We're talking about a marriage partnership. And so I want us to focus for just a second on that last sentence there. A three-chord strand is not easily broken. Anybody ever participated in a three-legged race? want to do it up here on stage with me today? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Jim Gilligan won't let me do that anymore. <laughs> but, um, uh, you ever participated in one or seen somebody do that? You know, you wrap the rope around your leg and, you know, everybody's tied together in this, this leg and then their leg's beside you and, and you're going. And what's the key to success at the three-legged race? Consistency. Working together, does, this, does my right leg, I don't even know what, if this is my left or right. Does my, whatever this leg is, this one right here, does my right leg and that person's left leg have to move at the same time in order for us to win? What happens when they begin moving opposite each other? Somebody's going to fall down, right? I saw a picture on Facebook the other day, and it was a little baby, and he was holding his fist like this, and he said, I want a three-legged race by myself. <laughs> and that's what a lot of people tend to try to do in marriage relationships. They want to win the race by themselves, but yes, it takes cooperation. It takes communication, and it takes someone to lead. In that three-legged race, somebody's got to say, okay, walk, one, Two, three, right? And I've never got ambitious enough to run because when I did that, I've always fallen down. But in a race, in the three-legged race, it's a rope. In a marriage, it's a personal relationship with Jesus. That's the cord that binds us together. In order to win the race, there's got to be something strong enough to hold the two people together. Together. And when we omit Jesus from the equation, the two of you are not strong enough to do that. I'm not strong enough to do that for my wife, and my wife is not strong enough to do that for me. So when we say we, we're not talking about two, we are talking about three. And that leads us to the second marital partnership of principle which is it is a covenant relationship the marital partnership is a covenant relationship that's not a word that we use very often but it is a word that God uses to describe the relationship that a person has in marriage he uses the word covenant and we see the example of this in Malachi chapter 2 beginning in verse 13 It says, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because He no longer pays attention to your offerings. You ask, why? Why, Lord? Why don't you answer? And it is because the Lord is acting as the witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, the wife of your marriage covenant. See, what had happened... In this day, as the temple had been rebuilt and the wall had been rebuilt, but they were looking for the promises, the prophecy to be fulfilled, of the Messiah to come and their enemies to be dashed. And it hadn't happened and they began to lose faith. They began to question and wonder, well, we've seen God do some incredible things, but I don't see Him moving and doing a whole lot right now. So they sort of wandered from their faith and their commitment to Him. And one of the things that they did was the husband, and back in that day, it was the husband that would would, uh, uh, ask for the writ of divorce. And they were leaving the wife of their youth. They had broken covenant, and God said, you're crying out to me and asking me why I'm not listening. And you're breaking covenant right and left. You're doing that. You're, you're sinning in other ways. You're, you're, you're taking on wives you shouldn't take on. And yet you want to know what's going on. And he says, listen, you have violated this covenant relationship. And see, the problem in our culture is we've taken God out of the equation and made marriage a simple contractual relationship rather than a covenant relationship. And there's a difference. A contract is based on what? I believe it's on the screen behind you. Mutual distrust, right? You say, well, that's kind of harsh. Well, let's think about it. When we draw up a contract, we're in a contractual agreement. I'm in as far as you're in. I'll do as much as you're willing to do. If you don't honor your word, then What's the deal with the contract? I'm absolved, right? I don't have to hold up my end if you don't hold up your end. You know? If you don't hold up your end in divorce, what they were saying back in Malachi, or hold up your end in marriage, I will sue you for divorce. Just like a company can be sued if they don't perform. But on the other hand, what God says marriage is, is it's a covenant. And a covenant is based On mutual what? Commitment. It's not, I'm in as far as you're in. It's, I'm in all the way. All the way. I'm in all the way. Malachi didn't call marriage a contract. He called it a covenant. The word there in the Hebrew for covenant actually means a cutting, a binding agreement, a blood Covenant. Now, this may sound a little barbaric, but in ancient times, priests would actually cut the couple's hands and symbolized two becoming one, one life. And I promise you, they never forgot those vows every time they looked down at their hands. Today, we exchange rings, unity candles, sand, whatever symbol you use remember, the vows and the symbols shared don't establish a contractual agreement. I promise to have and to hold you from this day forward. For better or worse, for richer or for poorer in sickness and in health. As long as we both shall live. Those are the promises that we make. And before we go on, I know that as I talk about this particular subject, it's... It's a topic that can be very painful. I'm smart enough to know that there are people in the room that have seen marriage relationships in their life go sideways. Could have been you didn't want it to, it just did. It went sideways, it went wrong. Whatever happened, and we're not here to talk about what happened in the past, here's what we know. Here's what you know, I pray, is that what's happened in the past is under the blood of Jesus. The only thing we can do anything about is today and what we do moving forward. Amen? And that's what we're looking at. We're looking at today moving forward. God, what is it that you've called us to? And he's called us in marriage to a covenant relationship with him. So from this day forward, remember this. As a fully devoted follower of Christ, when you get married, you stand before a holy God. You make a promise to Him and to your spouse to become partners in a binding covenant relationship. Life isn't about me and Jesus anymore. It's about we and Jesus. It is no longer I serve Christ. It is we serve Christ as covenant partners. We are covenant partners in Him. So it's we, not me. It's a covenant. It's not a contract. And then thirdly, a marriage partnership requires mutual submission. Mutual submission. A lot of times women hear this word, especially if it's used in a marriage ceremony, and they're like, uh-uh-uh, mm And you know why, honestly? Because guys hear that word and go, yep, that's right. Need to do what I tell you, mm. Boy. That's why your eye is always black. Okay. <laughs> Good gracious. You've got to be smarter than that. Ephesians 5.21 says, submit to who? One another. Why? Out of reverence to Christ. See, Ephesians 5 gives us us a picture, and you can leave that up there for just a second if you want to, guys. It gives us a picture of the why and the how. Why do we submit? Out of reverence to God. See, we do it to bring honor to the one who submitted all. He gave up the glory of heaven. He submitted himself to the lowly state of a servant for us. And that is why we submit one to another. That's why God's called us to that. But in that process, he's also showed us how we are to submit. He gave his life so we could live. A marriage partnership is about two people putting into their relationship with one another what Jesus put into his relationship with you. What did Jesus put into his relationship with you? Everything. He went all in. He put everything in. It's about unselfishly, sacrificially asking, how can I lay down my life for my wife or for my husband? That's what the marriage relationship is about. It's not just about dying for them, that would be too easy, but it's about living for them and with them. See, we come to the altar and we bring needs. When we came to that altar and you stood before that person, if you've taken the step of marriage or maybe you're praying about marriage or considering that you're single again and you're considering marriage again, you go to that altar and man, you look at her and you say, she's so beautiful. I mean, if you watch the royal wedding, she got to the end of the aisle and he's like, she's so pretty, she's so beautiful. So sweet, no doubt she's the one. She's going to meet my needs. She stood at the end of that aisle and looked at him and said, Wow, I'm about to be a duchess. I don't even know what that means, but I'm about to be it. She said, He's so handsome and he's so strong and he's so caring and he will meet my needs. And seeing that first stage of our marriage relationship, that euphoria, that's awesome, man. It's I was I went home to see my mom and dad this weekend, and I was standing in the den and, and in our in in our formal living room that my mom has. She's got pictures of her three sons. <laughs> I want to make a show about that. But they <laughs> had a picture of her three sons, and I, I was looking at those pictures and I was like, man, I look like I'm 12, you know. It was my engagement picture and She looked at me and she said, you know what you look like? And I said, what? She said, you look like you don't have a care in the world. You look like a guy who has yet to face any real problems in his life. And I said, that's exactly right. Because when I looked in the mirror today and saw the bags under my eyes, I was like, good grief. I don't need luggage. I can tote it right there, you know. Holy cow, anybody got some cream I can use I don't know but that's that euphoric stage and oh everything is just and everybody's celebrating your love and you go home and you start going, what about me? I mean I'm doing all this stuff for you i'm I'm you know, we're setting up house and it's fun and it's exciting and it's it's ours and we're creating a life together and you know, we're we're living in a dwelling by ourselves and everybody's going home and we're not in trouble for it. You know, it's all that stuff. <laughs> but then all that wears off, right? And we're like, "What's going on here? What about me?" I brought needs into this relationship and they're not being met, quite frankly. You love ESPN right now more than you love me, you know. What's going on? And the only way to make it to the third stage is to both remember that we made covenant vows. And here's what we say I'm going to do it. I'm in whether you reciprocate or not. I am all in because. Jesus did that for me. And I entered into a covenant relationship. I didn't enter into a contract. He went all in for me. He's in this marriage with us. And I'm going to honor Him by honoring and loving you the way that you've called me to. So it's about we, not me. Covenant and mutual submission. It's coming together and saying man, we're going we're to do this. We're going to make it and we're going to love one another well. I'm going to find out what your needs are and I'm going to meet those needs the best way that I can. And then the fourth and last principle is a marital partnership has a leader. Has a leader and I know That may not be the most popular idea, but anything with more than one head is a what? A monster, right? Anything with more than one head is a monster in anybody's movie. In Ephesians 5, beginning in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is of the church. His body, of which he is the Savior Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. And I know, I know, we read that and it is, it can be tough. And I'm going to tell you, here's why I believe it is. There are two dysfunctions that I believe point us to why that's a hard verse oftentimes for us to hear. The first dysfunction is this. Uh, Somebody leads as a dominant leader, a manipulative, controlling, dictatorial, even abusive leader. And let me tell you something, when you lead that way, you're not leading, you're bullying. You're a bully when you do that. And if you're doing that, stop it. I thought I'd get an amen right there, but <laughs> because none of y'all are doing that, right? None of y'all are doing that. Don't do that. Don't be that leader who, who goes around and, man, I'm cracking the whip. and This is, this is my plows and this is my castle and you're going to do what I say. Baloney. Stop doing that. That is not God-honoring and it is not godly leadership. And it is hurtful to your marriage. And here's what you will find out. If you lead that way, you will look behind you one day and find out you ain't a leader because nobody is following you. Don't do that. There's another extreme in this dysfunction and that is the passive leader. He abdicates his leadership responsibilities. He spends time watching TV or playing video games. He's got no plan or direction for his family and is not looking for one. He's just, well, you know, it'll be okay. I'll bring home some money and help pay the bills. Men, your wives have hopes and dreams for their family. And when you don't, they're going to have a struggle. It's going to be difficult for them to follow you. What do you do about that? If you won't offer a plan, she's going to come up with one. Nature abhors a vacuum and somebody has got to lead. Neither one of these dysfunctions is healthy. Neither one of them is good. So what is the answer? What is the model? The model is servant leadership. It's following the example of Jesus. Servant leadership. Let's look at the church. Christ is the head of the church. Why is he the head of the church? Because without vision, the people will what? Perish. He's given the church a vision. Pastor Jim has shared this with us. It's on uh, what's canvases. I was going to say vinyls. It's not a vinyl. There are canvases all over the church that say multiply and mature on them. Inside, multiply and mature is the vision. It's the vision and the goals that we have for the church this year. The vision that if the Lord tarries, we're going to be uh, 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 see people come to the church from every socioeconomic level, ethnicity and generation. We're going to see a melting pot here. We're going to have dynamic services with practical Bible teaching and People are going to know fresh starts in their life. We're going to see people connect in small groups. We're going to see all the locations build healthy systems for attracting and retaining guests, discipling believers, and developing leaders. To see 4,000 people attending the church regularly in the next few years. And That was a goal that was set by the people who attend this church. The Bridge Church family will make even more difference across our region and beyond by giving life, by giving Christ. Why do we write that down? Why do we put that in writing? Because without vision, we will just be here and come Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and it it feels good and it's great. But where are we going what is it that God has us to do? And the same thing is true. And you can see the goals. And if you haven't picked one of these up, I would urge you to pick one of these up before you leave today. I believe it's also on our website. But you can find out what the goals are and where we are in meeting those goals. We've got to write them down or we won't meet them. And the same is true, guys, in your home. We've got to have a vision for our home. How do we do that? We sit here today and say, I don't know what you mean. I don't know how to do that. Sit down with your, with your spouse and say, you know, what do you see the next five years looking like for us? Where, where do you see us being in the next five years? What are our dreams? Maybe, you know, we're, maybe we're not unhappy, but we're disenchanted with the way things are. And we know things need to change. What do we do to get there? And you talk about it together. You go on this journey together. You set those goals together. You talk, you pray, you argue, you embrace, you find common ground and agreement. You get partnership there, and then you go and start living out that direction. That's how you do it. You communicate, you sit down with one another and say, Here's where we're going. This is what we want to do. This is what we want to achieve. Achieve. That's leadership. Not being domineering and dictatorial. Not passive and, and shirking responsibility. It's sitting down and taking the initiative to dialogue. And then to bathe that in prayer. Now what we don't want to do is come up with the plan and then bring it to God and say, Lord, bless it. I think really what we do is pray first. And say, Lord, show us the plan. What is it you want us to do? And give us that direction. See, when we get together and mutually submit and decide on our our values and our dreams, we can decide things like this. What are we giving our one and only life to? What are we doing? What is the purpose for God bringing us together? And is the direction that we're going in right now fulfilling that? That's a very important question. Is the direction we're going in right now fulfilling what we believe God's purpose is for our life? I've always told my parents, my mom has actually always said, give me my roses while I'm living. And I stood in her kitchen, and I don't know if she agreed with me or not, she did cry, but I don't know. But I told her yesterday, before I left to come back home to North Carolina, I said mom, the greatest achievement that you and daddy have ever had are the three boys that you raised and sent out into this world for the purpose of making a difference the kingdom of God and I want to thank you for that I want to thank you for raising me to be that kind of man I want to thank you for loving me the way you have so that I would do that and my prayer as a a father and as a husband is that I will lead that way what is my purpose as a parent my My achievements here, I'm so thankful for them. I didn't, I'm not responsible for any of them. It's all because of Jesus. It's all because of what he's done through me. A simple little boy that grew up on a farm in Georgia. But my greatest achievements in this life will be what my wife says about me when I'm 80. And how much my children come home to see me and tell me about the investment I've made in their life. Even if they don't tell me, I can see it. That's my achievement, that's my goal, that's my purpose. What am I doing to get there? What are we doing? And your situation may look a little bit different, but there's somebody somewhere you're pouring your life into. Is what you're doing right now getting you there? Is what you're doing right now fulfilling that purpose the purpose God created you for? To invest your life into the life of somebody else? See, leadership isn't about being the boss or calling the shots. It's about being out in front and finding the path that is the safest. Men, you want to lead the way God wants you to lead? You get out in front. So That woman's got nothing to worry about. She's got nothing to fear because she knows you're running ahead. And not only would you take the bullet, but you're going to find the clearest path. The the path of, we don't always want to find the path of least resistance. Because that's not always the best thing. But the path that, that God has provided for us. If you do that, she'll follow you. If you'll lead that way, she'll respect you. Be a man of prayer. Be a man of integrity. Serve your wife and lay down your life for her. Being the leader that God has called you to be is a high, high calling. But with God's help, you can do it. And when you do it, you will watch your wife follow you beautifully. And she will rest in your sacrificial servant leadership. I challenge you to do it today. It's a challenge to me. i got to tell you, when I was... Going through this and putting this together, it challenged me. It stepped on my toes. There's some stuff in my life that's got to change to be the leader that I need to be. Lead like Jesus modeled and ladies, give him a chance. If he hasn't been leading, he won't do it perfectly. you got to give him a chance to do it. Your partnership in marriage requires we... It requires the covenant relationship. It requires mutual submission. And it requires that you understand the leader's role in the relationship. Luke chapter 11 verse 17. Jesus said to them. Any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. And a house divided against itself will fall. If the foundation Of your marriage has been crumbling. Please don't try to repair it with. Well it's his fault. It's her fault. If he hadn't done. If she hadn't done. Start with Lord. What are you saying to me. About we. What are you saying this morning God. To me as an individual. About we, about our relationship. God, what is it you're saying? Psalm 34 verse 3 says, glorify the Lord with me let us exalt His name together. As we pray right now, I want to ask you to take a risk. If you're sitting with your spouse While we pray, I want you to be the first one to reach your hand over and take theirs. And say, glorify the Lord with me. Let's exalt His name together. And if you're sitting here today and you say, well that's great for the couples that you preached to today. For those that are married right now, but I'm here today and I'm single, I'm uh, I'm widowed or whatever the case may be. God's word is, is on time and for each and every one of us. If you're, if you've not, if you're not married right now, but you, one day you're going to be, this is a good word to hear. It's a good word to go into your marriage relationship with. If you're here today and say, I'm not doing that again. Maybe you're at an age where you're just loving your grandchildren and loving the family that's surrounding you and your kids. And you can impart this word of knowledge to them. But I would encourage you today, wherever you are in this this journey, to take a risk. To take a risk. To stop playing the blame game and looking at one another and saying, God, help me to glorify you in my marriage relationship. Would you bow your heads with me as we pray? And as we do, I would encourage you, if you're with your spouse this morning, just take their hand as we pray. Father, thank you for loving us the way you do. Thank you for giving us your word that is full of truth and power and authority. And thank you, God, that it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. And if we will trust you, Lord. You will lead us in the way everlasting. And God, today as we hear these these principles, Lord, that we would apply them to our life. Lord, that we would make you the most important part of our relationship. That we would keep you first. Understanding, God, that That three-corded strand is so strong and not easily broken. And if you're in the center of our relationship, that we're gonna make it. Help us stop looking at the other and finding fault and accusing, being frustrated and angry because of things that have happened. Just as I said earlier, Lord, we can do nothing. About the past. We can come to you with our past. With brokenness and contrition. We can ask for forgiveness. But then we got to move forward. God we can't harbor that. We can't keep that against one another any longer. We got to let that go. We've got to walk out forgiveness. With your help. When we hear that and pray that, oftentimes our response to that is, I just don't know if I can do it. And I always respond, that is absolutely true. It is only through the help of Almighty God that we are capable of offering forgiveness. Help us walk in forgiveness, Lord. And as we do that, we will see our families grow. We we will see our families get stronger than they ever have before. And we will see healing come in a way and in a measure that it never has before. God, thank you for loving us the way you do. And thank you for speaking to the hearts of men and women, boys and girls in this place here today. As we're here with your heads bowed and your eyes closed... As we began our time together today, the very first and most important principle in the matter of family was God being number one. I want to pray for you here today. I want to pray for you that if you've not made Him number one or maybe you've not ever entered into a personal relationship with Jesus, that today would be that day. That you would say something like this simple prayer, but make it your own and pray it from your heart. Say, Lord, I come to you. I acknowledge to you, Lord, today that I am a wreck without you, that I am, I am lost without you. I am in turmoil without you. I need you. And I don't even understand all the implications of that. I don't understand what that means fully, Lord, but today I'm tired of doing this by myself. And today I surrender to you. Today I say yes to you, God. Maybe you're here today and you've done that before and you walked away and you started doing this thing all by yourself again and you realize here this morning that you can't you can't do it you don't have the strength you don't have the strength to correct to a problem in a marital relationship you don't have the strength to correct an issue in a in a relationship with a child or with a parent you don't have the capacity and the capability to do that you don't have the capacity to fix your life and you need to invite the one in who is strong enough to hold it all together When the stuff of life begins to happen and the world starts wrecking things all around you. And you're wondering, are we going to make it? Are we going to, is this thing going to hold together? With Jesus at the center, the answer is yes. Would you come to Him today? Would you trust Him today? Would you trust Him with your life? Would you trust Him with your heart? Would you trust Him with your, your marriage? With your future marriage? Trust Him with your children? Your nieces, nephews, friends, those that God has put into your life to influence and impact? Would you trust Him with all of that today? I would encourage you to do so. Lord, I acknowledge today that I trust you with that. And I know that I won't do it perfectly. And I know that I will waver at times and I will doubt at times and I will fear at times. But I thank you, God, that as I'm trusting you, you will always bring me back to the place I need to be. Thank you, Lord. You're our source, that you're our strength, that you are the answer to everything. And we come to you and acknowledge that with family matters. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you made a decision today to follow Jesus, I'd love for you to text New Life to 55498. Let us know about that decision that you've made. The altar is open. There are people that want.